Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 162 of Selling the Couch. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for today's session. So today's topic is actually one that we have never had as a podcast episode, but I know that there has been a lot of conversation in the STC community regarding it, and that is safety issues in private practice. So what are some of the, the things that we need to be aware of as we set up our offices? What are things that we need to be aware of in the day-to-day? What are really practical things that we can do if we have concerns about of safety just because the nature, like a client that we're seeing, or even the process of screening clients and, you know, making sure that they are a good fit in terms of safety. My guest is Adriana Alejandre, and Adriana is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Porter Ranch, California, and her website is counselingandtraumatherapy.com. And without getting too much into details, Adriana has learned just a number of really practical things related to safety. And she's here to just share with us uh, some of the things that she has learned along the way. So some of the stuff that we're going to be exploring include questions around how do we screen in terms of clients that are good fit? How do we stay present with our clients while being aware of safety concerns? Adriana has also had conversations with law enforcement, and she's going to share some of the tips that law enforcement shared uh, just in terms of like apps and all sorts of different stuff that, uh, you know, like some of this technology stuff, it's, it's amazing. Some of the things that are available. So things that can, for example, that's like a HIPAA compliant way to trace phone calls of people that, you know, maybe, you know, making threatening, leaving threatening voicemails, for example. Or how do we alert authorities very quickly if we don't feel safe without using our phone to actually dial 911? So uh, today's a really practical session. I hope that you enjoy it. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 162 if you would like to follow along. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and well, I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And 
with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share, uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when, uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists. And his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that. And he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we'll get right to today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Adriana Alejandre from counselingandtraumatherapy.com. Hey, Adriana, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're so welcome. I am excited about this topic. One, because I feel like just issues around safety is not one, we've never had an episode on this. And two, I think it's one that we don't often talk about as clinicians. So I'm just excited to hear your experiences, what you've learned along the way, and just any tips that you can share with us. Oh, definitely. There's plenty. I wanted to start. I feel like one of the most fun things about being in private practices, setting up our offices. I just think about like the STC community, all the various threads. In fact, I believe there was one that was started last night of what color wall paint do you recommend, right? So there's a lot of fun, I think, in setting up our private practice offices. But in that process, I wanted to ask you, why is safety or something like safety so important? Well, overall, safety is important because it's really vital to our clinical skills in the moment, the service that we're providing to our clients. But not just that, it's also important for our health, our mental health, and essentially basically our lifespan, because we do hear about situations where safety is a problem. So it relates to our whole being. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even as you were saying that, I was just thinking there's a lot of our colleagues are in solo practices, right? And sometimes they're seeing, you know, clients at night or during the day, or they may even be like in an office building where no other folks are actually around. So just being really mindful of safety and the environment around, but also within the therapy room, I think it's so vital and important and just how we set up our room and all of those different things. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's our second home. And just like our home, we also have to preserve a sense of safety as well. Before we started our conversation, I asked you, like, I don't quite know how to word this question because I'm wording it or I'm saying it just with utmost respect and just wanting to learn and just being aware of sort of cultural factors and, you know, and all of the different like isms that can exist in the world. Right. So as me, right. Like, <laughs> And maybe I'll just say it from my perspective, right? As a 5'10 male clinician that's in the field, I feel like heterosexual male clinician that's in the field, how I feel like there are certain things that I'm not aware of 
right? That are sort of my growth edges. So like for you, I guess just from my perspective, what are some things that I should be aware of that female clinicians, clinicians that may not fit sort of my profile should be aware of when it comes to safety in private practice? Yeah, uh, there are a couple of things, but I want to highlight that there's a sense of privilege when it comes to height and weight. So that's Mm -hmm. sizeism. And I'm not talking at all about privilege in terms of race or ethnicity, nationalities. No, this is simply when it comes to height and weight altogether. And as, as a petite person, that is something that I am aware of in the moment, anywhere I am, whether it's in the private practice room or outside of the world. So I think that a lot of female clinicians or females as a whole are also aware of sizeism. I could definitely see how something like that just, I guess like for you practically, like, you know, when you're in private practice, like how does sizeism impact you and, you know, like sort of your awareness of it at a more real level? Yeah. So in the room, based off of my experiences that I've had with clients and and professionals in the office where I have felt uncomfortable, I have felt a threat to my size, my sizeism. There has been a direct threat. So the way that I have learned to deal with it is by protecting myself in in the sense of now getting some, as cliche as this is, some self-defense classes, or we're going to talk about this probably a little bit more later, but the way that the office is set up, doing practical things to make sure that my sense of safety comes first, because I cannot or may not be able to realistically defend myself against someone that is drastically taller and bigger than myself. That's just the truth about it. Related to that, so I guess what's been helpful for you in terms of staying present with clients while being aware of safety? I don't know if that kind of makes sense, right? Because, I mean, you're sort of thinking about safety aspects in private practice, but then you still have clients to see and they're presenting with their own struggles. And so how do you, I guess, um, hold both of those positions of being present and being aware of safety concerns? So after being triggered in certain situations and sessions, I came across this book. You know, I think one of the things that you were talking about self-defense and doing some of these things outside of session, I don't know, one of the things that I was just thinking about was how do you simultaneously stay present with clients while being aware of safety concerns? In the moment, it's very necessary for me to maintain my own history in line. So I do a lot of deep breathing in the moment and use a lot of CBT skills to check my beliefs in the moment. And it is like a very mind and ninja type of move because I am not just focusing on myself, but also on my clients and their needs. But that essentially is very important because otherwise you know, if when we're triggered in the moment, our mind can spiral just like our clients are can at times. So staying very present and keeping my beliefs in mind has been very, very helpful. And if necessary, I know I have moved physically my chair a little bit closer to the door in order for myself to feel a little bit more safer. If there is a 
potential threats. So those are some of the quick in the moment things that I have done. Honestly, I don't know how you do it. I mean, because you're aware of these safety aspects, right? But then I don't know, like, I feel like part of it is for any of us, as we become more comfortable in our practices and become more comfortable with our offices, there's always this tendency to become or to make assumptions or just to become almost comfortable to the point where we're not sort of checking. But, and again, I don't think it's like checking where it's like more obsessively where you're stressing out about it, but more of just like an awareness. Is that sort of what you're seeing it as? Yeah. Yeah. So Privilege also comes in here where I refer to it in terms of experience, clinical experience, experience with clients. And so you get more knowledge of what to do. So yes, in terms of that checking, now I also do extra screening during my phone intakes before inviting someone into the room. Now I'm also not posting my full address on my website in order to not just have some random walk-ins. Just offhand, not at all to put you on the spot, but like, what are some common phone screening questions that you're asking to determine safety and fit and those kind of things? Yeah. So I'm asking now if there are, uh, or I am asking now about their legal history. And in the moment, you know, there are some clients that hesitate to answer that. But for my own safety, that has been important. And that has been something that I have needed to know in order to be able to determine if I am a good fit for the client or if maybe they would definitely benefit from another clinician because their mental health comes first, definitely regardless of their legal history. That's actually a great one to ask. I never even thought about that. Are there any other kind of big ones that you ask besides legal history? That one's the most recent one. So that one pops out, but I Mm -hmm. also ask how they found me because I have found that that's also really important to know. And if I am uncomfortable with the way that they have found me, and I cannot go into specifics right here, but that one is also a question that I like to ask because our intuition really does drive what happens in the session or how we go about treating our clients in session. So I am now paying attention to my gut intuition based off of some of these clinical calls. Adriana, I wanted to actually switch a little bit into more of some of these really practical things. What would you say are three things that you've done in your office to make it more safe? Okay, so three things. The very cliche, moving the chair closer to the door. If you are not able to, there has to be a way when where you're able to have some sort of chair or method to escape right away, maybe a window that's able to be removed or, but essentially move, having your chair close to the door is really important. I notify my colleagues when they are in the office. If I am not feeling safe with a particular client, I just notify them to let them know, Hey, I'm in the office today. Can you just keep an ear out for me? And another thing is in the way that my waiting room is set up, there are four other clinicians with a light switch on the wall of the waiting room. So I make it seem if I am alone in the office that there is another clinician in the office space with me. So maybe I'll flip their name tag. I'll turn on the hall light. I'll turn on the noise machine so that it just it doesn't appear like I am alone. 
because I'm the only one in that office that is isolated from the other clinicians. It's like really practical, like things that, you know, some of that stuff, like, did you just learn over time or was it more like, how did you figure out some of these things? Yeah, I learned over time based off of how I was Mm. feeling and just certain situations Mm. that were coming up and also consulting with other people because this isn't something that's unique. This is happening with many other clinicians. So they have experience Mm. with this. I'm one year into my solo private practice. So it's it's been a learning curve, but reaching out to other people has been helpful. And not at all, again, to put you on spot, but like, do you know offhand any tips? Because I feel like a lot of our listeners are probably in like solo offices, mm-hmm. right? So either they're like subletting and they're maybe the only ones there. So any like tips or anything like that for someone that maybe just in one office that maybe doesn't have as easy of an access to like a colleague, for example? Yeah, if they're in a plaza, getting to know the neighbors around there, if they're not, which happens at times, letting someone know from your home the times that you will be gone from or doing check-ins with somebody. If when I am completely alone in the office, I let my boyfriend know, hey, I'm done this time. I'm going to text you at this time, five minutes after the session mm-hmm supposed to be over you don't hear from me just go ahead and call me and that that doesn't happen too often but it is a way for me to make sure that someone is aware that i'm gone out of the office out of the house and to be cognizant of myself and my safety hey johnny you had mentioned that you had gotten some recommendations from law enforcement with regard to safety i'm like really curious to to hear about those Yeah, so I've reached out to law enforcement and they recommended Medline, but based off of that recommendation, which is panic button, a life alert panic button to call when you need medical attention. That one, I believe, reaches out to urgent cares and hospitals. So I needed something that reached out to law enforcement directly in the moment if there was a threat to me. So I stumbled upon Guard Llama. Guard Llama is like a little remote control button, kind of like our car remote controls. And you push the button and it calls law enforcement directly and also three emergency numbers that you choose to program it with. There is also an option to have a Guard Llama installed as a system for your office suite if you're in a group practice. So they install an alarm system button on in your office. So there's that. Mm. And then there is also police reports that you can make, phone annoyances. If you're getting harassing phone calls to your business line, you could make these, at least here in California, you can make these reports online. But I feel more comfortable going in person, typically. Now, I was going to ask you, so... I guess like in that situation, it sounds like you would call like a non-emergency number for your local law enforcement, or would you call 911 if you wanted to do the police report? Oh, yes, that's right. I would call my local law enforcement. 911 is only for emergency threatening situations. Mm -hmm. The third one was something called Call Trace. I learned that they're HIPAA compliant. It's a call tracking service for healthcare providers. Um, What is the name of Call trace, like you're tracing a phone call, call trace. Interesting. So it it keeps a log of like, how does that work? 
So you have to install it before you start receiving phone calls. But the way that it works is if you receive a harassing call, they will be able to track it down so that you are hmm. able to make the police report. And they actually do the police report for you. Adriana, thank you so much for doing this. I feel like this is a topic, especially in our community. I think there's going to be a lot of conversations around what's working. And, you know, I'm grateful just for your courage in doing this and sharing some of the really practical things that you've learned along the way. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. There, Melvin, there were like two other practical things that I forgot to mention it. Can I mention them really quick? Yeah, of course. Okay. I think it's important to book when someone else is in the office as well. And so when if you're in a group practice or in a suite, booking when there are other clinicians or other back-to-back clients and not booking at nights for new clients until you get to know the client. That's a really good one and like a really practical one because I like both of those. I'm glad you said those. <laughs> What are some of the best ways that we can learn about you and and connect with you? My private practice website is www.counselingandtraumatherapy.com. And all of my social media is on there, all my services. So that is the best place where people can connect with me. Perfect. Adriana, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Melvin. Take care. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adriana and I hope more than anything that it's given you some things to consider in terms of safety and uh, all of just the, the things that we need to do to keep ourselves safe as we are in this journey of being private practitioners. Adriana mentioned a number of different resources and tools and tips, and I actually wrote them all down for you, and you can find that on the show notes page over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 162. You know, I was reflecting on this conversation, and I think one of the things that has really resonated for me just in this interview, and I feel like in this season of life, is just to never make the assumption that just because we get comfortable in a situation, just to like never let our guard down so much that we compromise something like our own well-being and our own safety. And I think even as as colleagues, right, just being aware that different clinicians that are colleagues in private practice, that they have different concerns and, and things that may not even occur to us. And I alluded to this in the, the podcast interview, just some of the things that may not necessarily even be on our mind, that it, that could actually be the reality for other clinicians, right? And just having, I think, the humility and the awareness to realize that our reality maybe you're not the reality of other clinicians and and just being aware of that. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And 
Uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to today's podcast session. And if you'd like to learn more information about Adriana and the work she's doing, you can again find it over at counselingandtraumatherapy.com. And Adriana is located in Porter Ranch, California. Have a great rest of your day and thank you again. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.